Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Lafayette Comedy, bringing national comedy shows to Acadiana. From Tula Tacos and Amigos in downtown Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Christian Maida, publisher and editor of The Current. It's business, Acadiana style. Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. What's your Shangri-La? You know, traditionally in Acadiana, that might be the great outdoors. This is, after all, the sportsman's paradise. You know, finding your piece of heaven usually comes down to the world around you. And for a lot of folks, that means where you live, literally. Your home is your private paradise, and for others, perhaps, it's something less tangible. Shangri-La is not where you are, but an extension of your imagination, a state of mind or a world that you conjure far away. Either way, someone has to build it or help you find it. Uh, My guests today are both in the business of making dreams come true, you might say. In the more conventional sense, my guest, Aimea Duse, helps families realize the traditional American dream, home ownership. She's the mortgage lender and branch manager at GMFS Mortgage. You know, home buying has changed a lot over the years, and Aimea's specialty is helping buyers navigate the process, debunking myths, and helping them find a home that suits them. She's one of the top lenders in the state by loan volume and was ranked number one in in the Lafayette market in 2018. Aimea Duse, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And what about the world of imagination? If you're working with bits and graphics and not brick and mortar, the possibilities are, theoretically, endless. Game development and design has become more cinematic, more detailed, more expansive. And my next guest, Josh Paradin, is part of training the next generation of world builders at the Academy of Interactive Entertainment in Lafayette. Uh, the industry, the gaming industry, that is, is, has exploded in the last 20 years, and programming and development have become in-demand skill sets. But what students learn at AIE isn't limited to gaming either. Programming and development is also useful in building simulations for training in other fields, like the oil and gas industry. Josh Paradin. Thanks for joining me on Out to Lunch. Hello. Thank you all for having me. So, I mean, I want to start with kind of the most obvious trend in housing, right? The market is just nuts. Um, It has been in 2020 and in 2021. Rates have been super low. Houses are flying off the shelves, if you will. So I'm just sort of curious, how does, you know, a hot market change what you do? Does it change sort of the way that you counsel buyers, the kinds of loans that they're going to take out? What happens? Well, it definitely has changed our life. Um, (laughs) A little different during the pandemic when, you know, most people were, you know, at a state of unknown, you know, and the market crashed and the rates went so extremely low. Um, It was an unbelievable life and a readjustment to Mm -hmm. the team because where we were used to working at Central in a location, we were all working from home, which just really changed the way that we did things, you know. Um, and I have to say, it was a change for the better for us. You know, I find my team was more productive. Um, they were more compassionate to the people that they were working with. The volume, I would say, tripled, quadrupled. Um, so the amount of hours that they worked and pushed through it was just unbelievable. So um, we have gotten to a point of, um, I always say either we're drowning, we're at sea level, we're above sea level. <laughs> um, we're not quite drowning anymore, but our team is at sea level. Yeah. And uh, we have course corrected and we are loving, you know, we're back at our new location and um, we are just loving working, you know, with the homeowners and um, whether they're refinancing, building, remodeling, you know um, we love what we do 
do, do y'all have to like keep? I mean, because like, there's always this question. You read the news, and it's like, oh, it, you know, the interest rates are going to drop, or they're going to go up eventually, and you know, it seems like that's always kind of a little bit of uh, a difficult thing to predict, or maybe it isn't. I don't know. I guess I'm curious, like, how does that actually affect your day-to-day business strategy? You're having to go in and say, like, well, guys, we think points are going to go up in another month. We're going to market. You know, right. this loan product this way. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you ask because that's something um, at this point in my career that I do a lot of is watch the market and yeah. what's going on and, and um, study and research to see what the predictions are. And a lot of people don't understand what drives the mortgage rates. Um, often people think because of the fact that the Fed rate is at zero, oh, well, that's the mortgage rate. When the Fed rate dropped to zero, I received phone call, text message, hey, I heard the rate is zero. I want to refinance my house. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Oh, if, it, if it only worked that way, you know. Um, so the federal government does not regulate the mortgage rates. And a lot of people don't understand that. The mortgage rates are regulated by the investors, okay, um, by the ones who are holding the mortgage. That's who decides. Now, does the feds highly influence us? Absolutely, yes, you know. Um, one thing we have noticed trending, a lot of things are causing, you know, these rates. And, and I'm a firm believer that history repeats itself, Mm -hmm. you know, and we look a lot at the historical data, Mm -hmm. you know, and back in 2007, the Fed rate was at zero and it actually lasted for about seven years. Okay. Then it went back up again and the Fed rate is now went back to zero again. So even though they don't affect it, they highly influence it, Mm -hmm. you know. So the prediction is that we may get a little uptick on the rates coming very shortly, but long term, they're going to go back to where they were. Mm-hmm. You know, application intake was about down 6% this week nationally, mm-hmm. you know, um, but the rate is actually a quarter less than where it was last year. Wow. You know, so we're still at an all time low. Yeah. And of course, it makes a huge difference to the homeowner, to the consumer, because of the fact that the lower the rate, the more you can afford. Wow. With the higher rate, you maybe only afford a $200,000 house. At a rate of 2.5%, you may afford a $350,000 house. So it has a lot to do with the amount you can borrow, yeah. you know, based on what the rate is. So things obviously very, very current in the in the, the, the home lending industry, moving the way that they are, could have changed week to week. But it seems like the gaming industry has kind of been on a longer arc upward for a long time. Josh, um, AIE is actually an international program, right? So, so I, I know that independent game development is a bigger deal, but it seems like, you know, East Coast, West Coast, those are kinds of the places where these jobs would tend to be. At least that's what I would think. So I got to ask, I mean, why Lafayette? Why is Lafayette an obvious place for your kind of academy? Well, what's going on um, and what's the... It, the Lafayette um, Consolidated Government has done in regards to like the upgrades on our internet, yep. um, bringing technology and new things to our, our region um, is a part of the reason why Miss Vicky and uh, Mr. John yep. DeMarguerite actually decided to establish the institution here in the Lafayette area. Yeah. And, in, and especially what was going on with Opportunity Machine. So, so like the infrastructure was here in other yes. words. Like they kind of looked around and said, all right, you need a lot of bandwidth. You need so fiber internet is a really helpful thing to do that. Yeah, and, and people in a community that's invested in in enhancing technology and, and growing and bringing new businesses and new things. Yeah, so so talk to me a little bit about like what happens with your graduates then. I mean, like, they, are they coming in and you know are they working for themselves after that? Are they moving to the West Coast and you know building Call of Duty or whatever? I mean, what's what's happening? Honestly, the great thing is so we have two U.S. campuses, one in Lafayette and one in Seattle, so we get to play off um, of each other and the opportunities that each campus actually has. Huh. Um, so if it's our graduates working for companies like Asteri. Or 
or um, Turbo Squid, which actually was just bought out by Shutterfly in the New Orleans area and building relationships here in Louisiana, or working with you know EA Sports, or we actually just had a student that uh, got our internship at Riot Games um, in LA. So kind of allowing each other to play off um, of the exposure that both campuses have mm -hmm. um, to those regions and giving different opportunities. So if a student, um, you know, our general Southern Louisiana students who've been born and raised here, not are, are not always as excited yeah. uh, to move to the bigger city and a different uh, kind of cultural change. Yeah. Um, so kind of giving them some opportunities locally, but for those students who really want to see the world um, and have, you know, every opportunity presented to them, you know, mm -hmm. there's a lot going on in Seattle and LA and on the West Coast. And our campus there also helps our students here in Lafayette be exposed to those different mm -hmm. um you know, more indie, maybe smaller studios or people that are up and coming or those AAA studios um, as well. So you do recruitment, right? Like it's kind of like your main. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So, so uh, how do you recruit a gaming developer? Like is, I mean, I'm thinking here recruitment and you're thinking about high school sports, you know, and somebody showing up and watching the kid play. I mean, like, are you guys like camping out at arcades and looking for people to, to like, oh, that kid looks, he's pretty good at this <laughs> game. I think we should get him in the door. I think it's a mixture um, of like working with our, um, our community partners. So things like high school counselors, community based organizations, but also make making sure that we're involved in things like comic cons or like different gaming conventions mm -hmm. um, that are around not only in the state of Louisiana, but looking at Texas and Arkansas um, and Mississippi and kind of bringing the best quality student to the Lafayette area uh, that we can teach and develop and hopefully develop our game, mm -hmm. um, our indie game studios um, here in the South Louis in South Louisiana, or, you know, bring that talent other places and just expand um, what we can do in the gaming industry. So this is kind of something interesting, right? I mean, if there's an idea that like what would attracted AIE to Lafayette was broadband and infrastructure or, or just like a you know uh, an ecosystem of, of entrepreneurship I mean I, I'm curious I mean like does that show up on your end of the ledger right I mean are you getting people that are coming in from out of state and you're like oh well you know I work in tech and I want to you know buy a home this is my like are, are you getting that kind of business? we are we are you know when the all field crashed and we were thinking oh my god Louisiana is done right mm -hmm. that was you know what we were thinking but it wasn't the case what we're finding is so many people are diversifying you know well the all companies are starting um, to work with plants um, new companies are coming in the mm -hmm. uh, medical field is expanding so we love it and we do a lot of relos or new people who are coming into town and it, nothing that makes me happier when I know we have someone to come and love and share Lafayette where they come to me and I can assess with the mortgage and I'm like oh why are you there go eat at Tula Tacos or <laughs> you know whatever the area may be you right. know so um, we love working with uh, people who are coming and um, I actually had breakfast with one of the guys who does my videography and he was like man I really wanted to move away but everywhere I went no one was as friendly as Louisiana mm -hmm. so once they drink the water in the vermilion they're not leaving here they be, they stay here you yeah. know so we're very uh, excited when we get a family who's moving in to town because yeah. of you know a new adventure because of people like AIE that you know are opening companies and the expansion of the medical field here in Lafayette I hope no one's actually drinking the water in the no, vermilion I wouldn't think yeah, they I do that I mean in case yeah. this, I mean, this show does yeah. podcast elsewhere so just like make it very clear drinking river right. waters is not yeah, not healthy the vermilion like generally not a good idea I mean, so how do you, I'm assuming with your with your job, right? I mean, to some extent, uh, Josh, you, you know, you're working with people that may be homegrown talent, but perhaps people coming in from out of state. I mean, how do you market Lafayette to those 
gamers. I mean, I kind of think it would have to be a little bit different. It's a different kind of audience, yeah, right? So, um, a lot of it's more of like the intimate feel that our campus has. So we're a pretty small campus. So we have about 200 students at the maximum. Mm -hmm. um, if I, we are full in enrollment, so it fluctuates. Um, so really the individual attention that you receive, um, the fact that we have student-focused apartment complex within walking distance of our campus, mm -hmm. the cultural aspects of things like, you know, Festival International um, that's here that n are not always in every other community. And we really are a great community that has both like the technical um, drive, you know, what's going on with CGI and Schoolmen mm -hmm. and, and bringing new industry and different people um, that support what we're doing, but also the art focus. So our students really get um, different aspects and, and avenues to really expand their creative um, ability. So, you know, it, in game development, it's not just like you have like the programmers of which you kind of consider the behind the scenes um, individuals, but we um, are focusing in 3D animation and VFX. So we're also having a lot of aspect in film and what's going on mm -hmm. in Southern Louisiana um, in regards to the film industry and things that are being brought to our community. Um, really just allow our students to really be creative and, and that aspect, kind of that closeness of community, but the ability to be creative and artistic and have access to different resources is really what attracts the student to this mm -hmm. location. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious if like, habits of just the kind of homes that people want to buy. This is, a, this is a question I always like to ask people when you get somebody who's got like a high altitude perspective on an industry, which is like, if you're working with different types of people, right? Like, is there a type of home that you see like game developers are really attracted to? Or is everybody kind of still like looking for the typical, you know, picket fence, you know, three bedroom, two bath kind of thing? Has that changed at all? I don't think it's so much of the style and design at the moment. I think it's more of what fits your family needs, you know. Um, right now, where a lot of the influx has to do with the baby boomers but there were a lot of babies born during corona too you know so a lot of families have grown and yeah. what we're seeing is that they're needing to upgrade that home because corona made them realize my home's too small i need mm -hmm. to remodel it you know because of the time that they stayed there yeah so we're seeing more of that that you know at times when people build they and construction is up at the moment that's when they build it specifically you know to their wants and needs but for the most part the demand is let me accommodate my family hmm. this house is too small corona proved that okay mm -hmm. um, we cannot all work and live here okay so it's time for an upgrade and we're really getting a lot of that right now more than the design aspect where that wasn't very important in the past hmm. at today's time it's we need to accommodate we need to be closer to work we need to accommodate the kids closer to schools we want convenience and we need room we need room for our family because of everyone being confined for yeah. corona and you probably find um especially in the gaming industry everything has gone remote which is most you know most uh uh companies that are kind of where you can get talent wherever so you're probably finding a lot as i um get in contact with a lot of our like alumni and our industry relations individuals, you'll find, you know, they're looking for a little office or like people are just trying to like manage what they've been used to more of a smaller environment. And now they're kind of like, all right, well, I probably need to be a little bit bigger than my, you know, two, you know, two bedroom house. And I need to think about an, you know, an office or, you know, do I have access to these particular resources? Because especially um, the kind of technology or like infrastructure you need to be remote in a gaming um, type of industry. Industry, you need you know broadband you need certain things that you know kind of relates to that move and thinking about um, what structure you know that you're living in and kind of where you're living hmm I mean are most kids that are coming to your program like do they have undergraduate degrees are they coming out of high school like is somebody choosing 
I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to go to AIE to learn how to game. What, right. I, what we find actually probably about 60% of our student population are like that traditional first-time freshman, just graduated high school, um, and moving forward in their kind of goals in their careers. And then the other 40% you find are uh, what you can guess considered non-traditional. Yeah. Um, so these are individuals who may have had jobs, and this was always really a passion, um, and now is the time. I think one of the guys uh, that we have actually coming into our game art program this year um, is a veteran. He you know, did a film like film school and has really kind of had his life. You know, he's got a child. He, you know, has been married before. And this is his opportunity to come back and really live a passion um, while he has the opportunity. So we really kind of see a, a wide gambit. You see the traditional. Um, but because uh, with gaming, you know, your parents at, you know, 18, 19 years old, are like, what are you going to do? How are you going to make this a career? Um, and what you learn in the future is like there's opportunities for entrepreneurship. Um, you can really, you know, now, especially with what's happened with Corona, you can work anywhere in the world um, for most game studios and this is where the we as a society are gamifying things so we're making you know virtual reality simulations for training um, you know there's actually King Crow Studios in the Baton Rouge area just got a multi-million dollar contract which oh, we have a couple of graduates that are working for them wow. to do um, they're working for the Air Force and doing um, bomber simulation which is super cool which you don't really think that that's an opp opportunity you know <laughs> it's not always uh, Call of Duty or, <laughs> or Halo or Grand Theft Auto that's not always what you're creating you also sometimes are creating you know simulations that are being used, you know, to defend our country. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. I'm talking to Josh Paradin of the Academy of Interactive Entertainment and Imea Dusan of GMFS Morgan. It's interesting I think what you're bringing up here is the idea that like maybe people don't broadly understand like what the applications are of your industry and the kind of a mystery. So it kind of raises my mind. Imea, like, I've, I'm a homeowner. I've gone through this process. I might, you know, you, you might do this once or twice in your life. And so I would imagine people kind of come to you and they, I have no idea how this works. I mean, what, what do you think is like the number one thing that people don't understand about that process? I would say probably down payment. The okay. biggest uh, misconception is that you need 20% to purchase a home, you know. And in fact, I, you know, we try to do our best to meet the goals of our consumers, whatever they're trying to accomplish. So I always ask the question, you know, what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? What's more important to you to pay your house early? Mm -hmm. Like, are you planning on staying there long term, which no one knows our future, but we try to get a feel so I can better advise them on what to do mm -hmm. um, with the rates as low as they are. OK, in the market, the stock market, as well as it is. OK, so you have to make a decision. Do you want to compound your money? What's more important, putting a big chunk down on your mortgage or possibly put a lower amount on your mortgage mm -hmm. and invest that money and compound when you do the numbers and you calculated even on just an 11%, which is, you know, return at the end of the year, you will pay that mortgage off earlier by investing it, mm -hmm. okay? Because you'll have the money to pay it off in a shorter term than if you drop that large sum on that 30-year mortgage, you know? Hmm. Uh, another thing that I try to constantly work with my first-time home buyers because I think one of the misconceptions they have, yes, I'm a homeowner, but there's no more or no longer a person you pick up and say, hey, can you come fix the garbage disposal? <laughs> okay. Right. So our first time home buyers aren't prepared for the deferred maintenance, you know, and with the pandemic and with everything unknown with job security, yep. most of them think, oh, I saved everything. I'm dumping every penny I have into my house. Mm -hmm. They don't think that the garbage disposal may be repaired. They're not thinking, hey, I'm, I may lose my job next month. Mm -hmm. So I tried to my best to advise our first time home buyers 
put as least amount down that you can afford your note, that mm-hmm. you're comfortable, but please try to have at least six months of what we call PITI, that's principal interest taxes um, and insurance, okay? In reserve, a six month reserve in the event you lose the job or you need a new roof and the insurance is not paying for it or the hurricane comes or you know, you need to repair um, the front yard because you know, little Johnny dug it up when he was playing outside with his truck or whatever reason it may be. So try to keep at least a six month in reserve so that you can have it for job loss, repairs or anything on the home. Hmm. So there are several options, but I think our parents instilled in us, save, 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 you need 20%, you need 20%. That's not necessarily the case. There are 100% programs, 3% down programs, 5%, you know, 20% is not required at this time. And there are ways of getting out of PMI too that people don't understand either, you know. So that's always a conversation I enjoy having with them. But it's all about what their goals are. Hmm. Some people want to put 20%, they want the lowest down payment. That's what's important to them. They want to get their house paid off early they have a plan some people are like "Mm, I don't know what to do you know um, some people prefer investing you know so it's all about the individual and what their goals are and we're there to service you so you let me know what's important to you and we'll better advise you from that point so I kind of raises a question in my mind with with your students uh, Josh I mean like the folks that come in I mean what what are the kind of typical I mean, I hesitate to use this word, but misconceptions, right, that they might have about what they're doing when you come in. We kind of have to sit down and say, like, hey, you know, things have changed. Maybe your ideas about what you're getting yourself into aren't quite what you expected. I will say the kind of the, the biggest misconception is that make playing a game and making a game are equal, and they're okay. not. Okay. Um, so one of the things, that when you're playing a game, it's for fun and it's for entertainment. But when you're making a game, especially like as a game programmer, you're looking through lines and lines of code yeah. to find one or two or three errors on why something's not working. Yeah. Um, so if you're not a person who really enjoys like problem solving um, and really maybe attention to detail some of the programs that we have may not be exactly what you thought it would be um you know playing games are really really exciting but um when you're kind of really getting the nitty-gritty and you're really evaluating like what is gameplay and how to what's the user's experience and thinking of those things um it, you may have a, rigi- a great original concept, but when you actually put it in practicality, mm-hmm. um, the functionality doesn't work, or it's not as cool as you really thought it would be. Um, so really, those are kind of some of the misconceptions, is that it's, it is very different to make a game, um, and, and the teamwork and, and the problem solving that needs to happen um, in that situation is not always as fun as you know hanging out with your friends and playing Madden, um, and really just enjoying, and there's a, no, a low-stress environment. <laughs> um, and in game development, a lot of it, you know, your time crunches, you know, things break, you have to fix it, and, and then there's an expectation. So it's a little different um, than, you know, necessarily just hanging out and enjoying a game for what it is. Do y'all have to, like, like, prepare the kids for the – I mean, I, you, you read the news, right, about, um, you know, unionization and stuff in the gaming industry, and a lot of it's predicated on, like, man, it's a really high-stress environment. You can work 80 hours a week, you know, 12 hours a day to try to finish a game. I mean, do you have to, like, prepare them mentally or emotionally for the idea that, look, you're going to have to – work a lot if you want to work in this industry well we do um so the great thing is we have an industry relations coordinator that really brings in industry speakers i know we've brought in people to talk about ip you know intellectual property and what is that like and how to protect your your own craft and those are things most students are not exposed Mm -hmm. to most people are not like what oh i have intellectual property what uh, what do i need to do with that so um that's cool we have it's called lunchbox speaker series so we're bringing in different individuals also we do a minor and major production our capstone project at the end of 
their first and second year would just to mimic as much of that studio experience as, as they can. Mm -hmm. um, so they're, you know, creating pretty much a game from scratch. They're working as a team, they're problem solving, and there's a deadline. So the first um, for the, we call minor production, it's about th a little under three months. Mm -hmm. And for major production, it's six months. So, uh, you know, you have six months to create a game, you're pitching it, you're presenting it to multiple people throughout that time period. So really kind of teaching them how to stay on task, mm -hmm. um, how to you know plan ahead, how to work with other individuals. So because you may be a planner, um, I I will kind of use an example. Um, you know, probably, um, you know, my best friend is an extremely detail-oriented person and I'm more of a big picture, you know, big, big picture guy. So how do you play off in different personalities, especially with people that you don't know, <laughs> you know, for 10 or 15 years? Yeah. Um, and kind of how does that work in a team environment? So really kind of prepares them mm -hmm. uh, for that real world industry and really, you know, getting the whole point of our program and how it's designed is that the day they graduate, if they start in an indie or triple AAA studio the next day, they're pretty familiar with the process. So even like, um, like how we teach them their, like with their game Bible and how you document things and, and how that's all expected, um, you know, in the real world. So especially if you're creating a game from scratch, you're giving someone else the responsibility to, you know, make the characters a particular way and, and um, model them and render them in a specific way um, that you're not controlling, but you're, it's your original creation and you have to give direction. And how do you do that in a documented format? And then also on the flip side, you know, working with your team that you're do you may document something, but having to communicate that to someone else um, are all just kind of those interesting experiences that they get through the program that really prepares them from when they're, you know, for that mm -hmm. <laughs> possible 80 hour work week and how work life balance. And um, so there's all things we try to bring in in a, in a quite a small amount of time, you know, we only have two right. years with them. So um, we try to <laughs> infuse every little piece that we can. Um, but I know there's some, you know, sometimes this life has to teach them some of those other life lessons. I mean, I guess I'm wondering, like, if, if you feel like people would, I, I kind of thinking about this in myself, like the extent to which I would go into homeownership and not really know how it works, right? Like how the mortgage lending process works or even to the extent that people might just have very basic questions like what is a mortgage right right or, you know, how right. You, you know where, and, and where that, should we plug that in to that does lives? happen that does happen and i'm we, sure i'm the one who did that, <laughs> that's what i'm saying and yeah. we, we try to promote um as you know june is home yeah. ownership yeah. a month and we have just started so we we really do our best to um have home by home buyer seminars we work very closely with our referral partners whether it's builders or real estate agents um uh, as a member of the Acadiana uh, Mortgage Lenders Association, we yep. do our best to try to visit the high schools, make sure they understand credit, make sure they understand home ownership, and you know, of course, it's the American dream, but. Uh, dreams are not always easy to accomplish. That's why it's called a dream. Yeah. So often <laughs> we'll have someone that will, I call it the roadmap, yeah. the roadmap to your new home. They'll come in, we'll go over their credit. They may not qualify at the time. The income may not be enough for the debt or whatever the scenario may be. And we sit down with them and we go over that with them step by step. And there's nothing that gives me more gratitude when six months down the road or 12 months down the road, I get a call that says, hey, you probably don't remember me but this is what you advised me to do and now it's done and I'm ready to buy a home wow. and it happens quite often so just and it's never too early to start you know because if you have issues or you don't understand because let's face it everybody goes to college and has fun right yeah. who has it you <laughs> yeah. know so if you have issues or you know you need help walking through them we're there for you we want to talk to you as early as possible put you on that roadmap mm -hmm. and get you where you need to be in that new home
Yeah, it's an interesting insight that dreams are not easy. That's why they call them dreams. And it's glad to sit with two people who obviously are in the business helping people get there, you know, whatever it takes and, you know, teaching them the ins and outs of these kinds of things. I mean, it's it's tricky. It's amazing what, what people don't know that they don't know, right? right. And, and you, know, you don't know what they don't know either. That's, that's the difficult part because <laughs> you don't know what they don't know. So well, trying to I'm, figure that out is is a, a, the first step. Yeah, know? that's why we do these radio shows, I guess. So jo- Josh and Imea, it was great having you both on this radio show. Thanks for joining me on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, My guests on Out to Lunch Acadiana today have been Imea Duce of GMFS Mortgage and Josh Peridon of the Academy of Interactive Entertainment. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on KRVS, and you can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Imea and Josh and what they do by listening to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast, which you can find anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, it's acadiana.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsacadiana.com and on our social media. These photos were taken by Lucius Fotno. You can find more of his work at lafphoto.com. Out to Lunch Acadiana is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRBS 88.7 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Today's show was engineered by Kieran McIntosh. Our associate producers are Molly Richard and Jan Risher. Our researcher is Ty Banowitz. I'm Christian Mader. I'm editor of the current Lafayette's nonprofit source for local news. And to find out more of what matters in Lafayette, you head over to our website, thecurrentla.com, and sign up for our newsletter. I'll see you here again next time around the lunch table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Bye-bye. Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at Tula Tacos and Amigos. Tula Tacos and Amigos offers street-style tacos, margaritas, and an open-air courtyard on Jefferson Street in the heart of downtown Lafayette. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and by Lafayette Comedy, bringing national comedy shows to Acadiana. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.